As a rider, safety is part of your routine. It's second nature. Does that mean safe isn't exciting? Or could safe actually make everything else possible, like jumping higher or making tighter turns? Safe gives you the freedom to ride the way you love. And safe provides the controlled starch and guaranteed amino acids to give you confidence all your horse's needs are met. Make safe exciting with safe choice feeds. Learn more about the full lineup at neutrinoworld.com slash safe choice. Hi, my name is Nikki West, and I'm a freelance photojournalist based out of Seattle, Washington, um, and I'm a lifelong equestrian. And you're tuned in to another episode of Young Black Equestrians. I am. I am. I am. I am a young. I am a young. I'm a young. I am. And I am a young black. A young black. Young black. A young black. Black. Black equestrian. 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 Black equestrian. Equestrian. Black equestrian. I'm a young black equestrian. I am a young black equestrian. <laughs> hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Young Black Equestrians with your host, Abriana Johnson. Today, we have on the podcast, Nikki West, hailing from the West Coast, Seattle, Washington, here to talk to us today about how photojournalism and how equestrianism has impacted her life and what really has been going on with her since, what, the last two years, since 2020? 2020. Welcome to the show, Nikki. I'm so happy to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me, Abriana. I was really excited to see your profile in Horse Magazine. I was actually at the feed store and I opened it up and I was like, young black equestrians, all right, I got to talk to (laughs) y'all. That's amazing. That's amazing. I I don't think I've I've had anyone say that they've seen that in the wild. So (laughs) I, I appreciate that. I appreciate and I appreciate you reaching out because I love being able to hear all of the different stories because when we have our own experience in the horse industry, we kind of think that that's what it is for other people. And honestly, that it's not, you know? And so the beauty in being able to share different experiences and hear what you got going on. So let's get started there. Tell me about yourself and how you got into horses. So yeah, that's a really cool story. Um, So I'm from the Pacific Northwest. My family's been here for a really long time. My mom was an army brat. My dad uh, was from here, but they ended up in Tacoma, Washington, which is a little bit south of Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my mom's family is from Texas and uh, she grew up wrong side of the tracks, basically no money. And she actually told me the other day about how she got her first horse. Cause it was always a mystery to me. Like my mother is the ultimate horse girl. Um, and turns out <laughs> what had happened she was, she had, you know, watched Roy Rogers, the whole thing. And when she was eight years old, um, she had worked enough to like put together basically $150 for a POA, um, out down in the Puyallup Valley, which is, um, a, a rural area right nearby mm-hmm. um and she had her older sister by the horse because she was a literal child mm-hmm. hid, <laughs> hid the horse in a stable for years used her lunch money um and granted like 
she was this is the you know the 1960s 1970s mm-hmm. um and she's a black girl like she like they didn't even have a saddle she like rode bareback for a couple years while she was trying to save up for a saddle mm-hmm. um you know and over time she just um kept following her passion and I was put on a horse about the time it was safe to put a child on a horse I don't remember the first time I rode um but horses have have always been a part of my life um and it's it's been the greatest gift my mother has ever given me yeah yeah so is that something that you guys you have been able to share together like you know riding together or was she just like this is something that I really loved and was passionate about when I was younger so I want you to do it too well, she's, she's been riding horses my entire life. Okay. Um, there's, there's been a, like a few periods in which she stopped, um, but it has been this way that like our relationship has always developed. So she was the person who taught me how to ride horses. She got me into 4-H. We uh, did competitive trail riding for a little bit. Um, actually last weekend, um, she gave me a writing lesson and she's a dressage lady. So she's super hardcore. She was like, you're going to be in two point, like for 10 minutes straight. I don't care. Like get your ass out of that saddle. Yeah. Like, she, she's, uh, she's had an amazing equestrian career. Um, mm. cause my dad was in the military and so they got deployed to Latin America and to Germany. So she learned Germany from, you know, she learned dressage from like the German masters, mm. uh, jumping barrels, um, you name it, she's done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has passed all that knowledge on to me and it's super awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And that is absolutely amazing. <laughs> We're going to have to uh, get on mama's schedule too. <laughs> Oh, she's, she's had, she, her career is, is pretty wild too. She's like a, you know, she's a top-notch professional. Mm-hmm. Um, she's done a lot of government work and she's, she's a really cool lady. Cool. Cool. Well, we know that you love horses, know that, you know, that's been an integral part of your growing up. How did, how did journalism kind of get into the mix? So Journalism has also been this thing that's kind of been lingering around in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have worked in a variety of different, you know, communications roles before. Um, you know, I've probably been reading the Wall Street Journal as soon as I could read. Um, I've been watching Meet the Press, all these things. Mm-hmm. And I guess I just never consciously put it together that journalism was my passion. But uh, during the summer of 2020, my apartment was literally epicenter for the George Floyd protests because uh, downtown is one way and then Capitol Hill was like five blocks that way. So it was all going down in the middle, you know, of where I was living. Like I literally have a picture, like a Seattle, a picture from the Seattle Times with the riot cops in front of my apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how close it all was to me. And something just clicked inside me to just take my camera and go out there and start taking pictures, right? Because, you know, um, (laughs) I I grew up Black. I grew up with, you know, a mother who had to struggle to get to where she was. And it was a part of my identity. And I just, I felt the pull. Um, And when I was there, it suddenly just all clicked. I was like, I, you know, for a long time, I struggled about like what I was supposed to do career wise and who I was supposed to be just hit right in that moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. So tell me a little bit 
kind of pre 2020, what did life look like for Nikki, whether it be in horses or just kind of figuring out who it is that you wanted to be? Sure. So um, I have actually done a little bit of work in, in the government. So back in 2016, I worked for a congressman. Um, I've done Hill internships. I've worked for nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd kind of been generally in the government space. Um, and so before 2020, I'd, you know, been working in those things. Um, and horses had kind of taken a little bit of a sidetrack just because, uh, you're aware Washington DC is one of the most expensive places to have and work with horses, could not afford it, could not even afford lessons. And I just didn't have the same network out there like I do out here. Um, And so I, you know, I did a lot of other things like yoga, hiking, photography. Um, And then, you know, in the last couple of years, I transitioned back out West and reconnected with the the community that I grew up with because the equestrian community that I've grown up with is out here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been riding with them since literally I was a child and in diapers. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) The facility I've I've been to, there's literally pictures of me as a child at the rodeos. Mm -hmm. So um, that is kind of what my life looks like now. Yeah, yeah. So how has your kind of proximity to this Black Lives Matter reporting influenced your equestrian relationships, if any? Sure. So they all know that I'm on the on this podcast and they've been really supportive of of my reporting. Um, but I am a little bit hesitant to tell everybody who I run across in in the horse world that I do journalism. Um, There are varying degrees of political attitudes and ideology um, that kind of run around there. Mm -hmm. Um, I have noticed a lot more Black equestrians at my facility. Uh, Before it was literally just me and my mom. Now there's four or five people in my barn. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're starting to see little trickles of discussion about, you know, how do we make this space more inclusive? How do we make sure that people aren't getting priced out? Um, There's a lot of things, you know, like finding ways around subleases, around leases and subleases so that, you know, kids of color can come in and and ride the horses. So um, I I think in a way, like, you know, when you're involved in a community, right, like what you bring to the table inevitably impacts the culture. And so because outside of the equestrian community, I spend a lot of time photographing people of color and people of color who do not, you know, have the same kind of means that a lot of people in the equestrian community do, that's what I bring to the table. And I, you know, slowly shifting that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I know that it's been a little bit of a a difficulty and some, sometimes in the YBE community, when we talk about being in these barn environments and wanting to like have these conversations, but also not wanting to really rock the boat. If you feel like you've got a good thing going I guess um how or what advice or could you give to kind of navigate that you know I'm not saying I'm not saying like run up in the barn and be like let the blacks in like it's it's not that you know but but it's hard sometimes to have these you know conversations in spaces where you are the minority so what has that experience been like for you I think the way that I kind of stepped my toe in is talking about financial accessibility. 
mm-hmm. makes sense where how do we uh, you know address kids from a poor community now i'm rel- i'm kind of lucky in a way that the community in which i ride in is very working class and mm-hmm. so that's or like you know, accessibility and cost is already on their mindset, right? Um, and it just kind of starts there, right? You kind of have to, you have to nudge the conversation. If you just walk in like, we just got to have everybody in this bar and be black, like that's, there's just going to be people who are going to be mad uncomfortable with that. But if you start the conversation with like, how do we get more kids involved? Or like, how do we get more kids without means involved? kind of modeling behavior. So, um, you know, I'm a journalist. I don't make a lot of money. The woman whose horse I ride right now, um, I've been friends with for a long time. And so I exchange taking care of her horse um, to ride, Um, you know, creating deals like that so that, you know, we reduce those barriers to entry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, in the last, we do these, um, I would call fireside chats uh, in the the YBE Facebook group, which you should join if you are not a part of already. Um, and we we talked about some some of the like unconventional ways to get into horses. And uh, one of the the individuals there was like, I didn't know like what is a lease? Like I didn't know I could do a lease. And she she shared that you know, she just wanted to learn about horses. And a lot of the dynamics is you come to get a lesson and then I need you to leave, you know? And I don't know if that's just like pandemic, like don't really be hanging around or just the the structure of barn environments nowadays. But sometimes people just want to learn and they want to learn how to clean tack and they want to learn how to saddle up their own horse instead of, showing up and the horse is already ready and you just get on and get taught and get off and go home kind of thing. I think this is where, I think this is where organizations like 4-H um, Mm -hmm. can really come in and bridge that gap, right? Because the the purpose of 4-H is just education and connecting Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. So we have one young girl I'm, I'm helping mentor, you know, right now she's also black and um, you know, her, she doesn't have that much money. Um, and her grandparents are wonderfully supportive people. And so, you know, one of the things that we've all done is gotten her involved in 4-H and Pony Club because of the massive, you know, sort of education network. Cause yeah, again, like you said, a lot of people just want to come in and, and learn about horses. And I think because so many barns are struggling just to, you know, make the margins work that they're just like, show up, you know, like ride for 45 minutes and give me your check and, and leave. Um, and I, and personally, I don't like to be involved in, you know, setups like that. That's, that's not the joy of horses to me. Um, it's being part of the community and taking care of the animals. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There's a 4-H is great. I used to be a 4-H co-leader and I was just thinking, as you said, that it's like, there's no 4-H. 4-H for adults (laughs) like there's no 4-H for people who have aged out of the school system you know those kids that you know may not have had the means but have the interest now and you know young adults in college or whatever there's no 4-H for them well that and I just generally think we need to have continuing like agricultural education oh for (laughs) sure oh for sure yes that that is we could have a whole different 
episode on ag ed i mean you know what? let me write that down because that is a conversation that needs to be had but um yeah really just getting people in the mix i know a lot of the conversations around like competitive sports horse sports um they're like how do we get more more people of color competing or how do we how do we get them to start coming to our shows and it's like you realize there's like stuff before that like you got to get them to do the stuff before that like show up in a barn and or even or even think of it as a possibility yeah for something to do yeah right where it's just like for whatever reason, we decided the only sports for black kids, it's like football, <laughs> like basketball, mm-hmm. and maybe baseball, maybe yeah. soccer. Like yeah. we don't present like, hey, you can actually learn how to ride horses. Yeah, yeah, as a sport. <laughs> you can do yeah. yoga, you can, you know, you can ski, you can kayak, you can do all, do all these other things. You have access to a variety of different sports just besides these like four ones we've decided that, um, are the only ones that are acceptable for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I think a lot of what you guys are doing here um, is helping demystify this. Cause like, I, you know, like we have all dealt with microaggressions and, and crappy comments. And one of the ones that I've always gotten, it was just basically that I wasn't really that black because I rode horses. I'm like, well, that's weird. Cause I don't think my melanin fell off when I got on the horse. So right. my mother's family's from Texas. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if you, uh, follow Zaren Burnett, but he talks about, um, black cowboys in Texas that actually like a, a quarter of American cowboys are actually black. And mm-hmm. it, yeah. yeah, that is, that is now, I'm not going to say it's sensationalized, but it's becoming more, uh, Hollywood marketable. So it is, Right. Nice. It was Compton, Compton Cowboys was the Netflix movie, right? Um, Compton, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Concrete, concrete, Cowboys. concrete. I was uh, like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> I knew it wasn't right when I said it, but I was like, the Compton Cowboys. I'm thinking of the Compton Cowboys that showed up during the BLM protests. Right, 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 right. Oh and my then, gosh, I really uh, am turning into an old person. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, that's a... Um, yeah, no, I'm about to hit the 30, 30 mark. And I'm like, I can't remember anything, but that's neither here nor there. Um, how have your, how has your connection with horses had an impact on your kind of reporting life, your, your freelance in life? Yes. So this is something I, I've talked about a couple times before, but I don't think I've talked about in depth. So the Pacific Northwest, um, I actually researched this Buck Brandon and actually is like in my social circles, but we're a natural horsemanship community. That's like what the Pacific Northwest is all about. It's what we've pioneered and the entire, the, you know, the entire idea, idea behind natural horsemanship is instead of doing the old cowboy way where you basically are trying to beat the horse into submission, it's about understanding and creating a fluid relationship and understanding her dynamics in order to like do decision making together Mm -hmm. and it hit me in the middle of a very chaotic protest that what is happening here is just stone cold herd dynamics Mm -hmm. um between right when you're in a situation where you have a lot of people screaming you have the riot cops with the guns and the tear gas and the helmets and the whole thing 
and you have 18 things, different things going off. The logical side of your brain is like gone. And now you're operating on those classic old herd instincts that kept us surviving from the get go. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, being equestrian and being on the back of the horse, um, I once thought about it this way, where it's sort of like you're playing chess at 30 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. um, where you're making all these sudden, quick, rapid decisions. And if you, you know, if you screw it up, right, you can get really hurt really quickly. Like I was, I was loping around the arena the other day and I, I was realizing I was on a trajectory that was slightly too close and I was about to slam into my friend Sammy's horse and it was only because I just did a five you know like a five degree turn this way right right I was fine and you know we all went home but that's kind of what happens when you're in a riot or a protest you're you're around hundreds of people who are not acting rationally, who are operating purely on flight or flight. And you have to make these sudden rapid fire decisions and you can't freeze. It's like, move, 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 move. And you have this on top of you too. So you're not, you don't have the same view of motion. Right. And I saw a lot of people get hurt or end up in bad situations because they didn't have that sort of, you know, rapid decision fire thing that comes from years of being an equestrian, because Mm -hmm. this is just intuitive to me, Mm -hmm. um, is to be able to just make all of these decisions in a really fast, rapid, rapid paced way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I haven't ever thought about drawing those, uh, those parallels. So, from that, I guess, since 2020, there has been a little bit of shift in conversation and, you know, no one's going to forget the summer of 2020, really, truly, especially people in the Black community who are more outspoken or more active in activism. Um, what what shifts have you seen in journalism or and in the equestrian space since then? I think both communities realized that they um, had a serious uh, diversity issue in, in their flanks. Um, equestrians even more so than I was kind of anticipating because when we think about equestrianism, we think of it being either on the East Coast, wealthy white people, or on the West Coast, conservative, middle, like middle class to working class people. Mm-hmm. And it's like the tone shift. And I'm, I grew up in Pierce County 4-H, which Pierce County is a relatively more diverse county just because we have the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I did compete against girls who were Native American or Latina, um, but there weren't that many Black girls who competed against me. Now I've noticed it's shifting and I've noticed that people are starting to bring up the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the community I'm in is doing a good job in outreach and embracing people of color. Um, but I know that's, I know that's not universal. Um, it, Seattle is, you know, a much more friendly community in terms of journalism, in terms of bringing people in, in, of color in. Um, and part of it is a you know, demographics issue. I think Seattle only has a 7% black population um, and, and relatively, 
like low like you know latino population and yeah. so um they're very conscious of the fact that their newsrooms weren't particularly diverse mm-hmm. neutrina presents an uncompromising approach to superior nutrition Nutrient-dense Empower products are scientifically designed for low feeding rates. Empower Digestive Balance supports overall gastrointestinal health and helps maintain normal gastric pH to keep them feeling their best, while Empower Top-Line Balance focuses on top-line health and improvement and now includes chromium to support insulin-resistant horses. For more information on Empower products, visit NutrinaWorld.com. So what does it look like as a as a freelancer to I feel like I my my question is a complete shift from that so if this sounds weird, it's fine. I'm so it's sorry <laughs> as it was coming out I was like wait that was not related to what she just said it's but <laughs> I am always you know interested in having conversations about um people's path when it's not necessarily traditional and that tends to be the case when we start talking about freelancing so how has how has your you know career helped support your horse habit your lifestyle (laughs) how do I make the pony money work basically (laughs) Uh, the answer to that is I am extremely creative. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, I have deep relationships with the horse community that I'm in now. And so they are very conscious of the fact that I do journalism, mm-hmm. but the, so what I do a lot with that is that I help take care of people's animals where they may not have the time or the energy to take care of these animals in exchange. I get to ride them. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of my equipment and, and things that I've had, um, I've had for a very long time and I've picked up kind of slowly through various jobs. Again, journalism wasn't my first job. So I decided to get in when I was a little bit more financially established, um, and had some more career establishment versus starting this when I was 20, I started at 30. Mm -hmm. Um, and that makes a difference. Um, I also just don't go on vacation or do (laughs) do a lot of other fun things. I'm just, listen, I'm, (laughs) listen, I like to do art. I like to do horses and journalism. I got like $7. (laughs) Not seven. $7, but it's honestly, to me, it's worth it. Um, I would be, I'm so much happier, broke as hell doing what I'm doing now. Um, just because it is a fulfilling life where I get to meet interesting people, have amazing conversations and understand the world on a deeper level. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's beautiful. And that's, that is necessary as well. You know, doing what it is that makes you happy because, Life is too short to do the opposite. That's the biggest thing I got out of the pandemic, honestly. It was that, um, you know, some people are like, oh, like you shouldn't grind all the time, whatever. And I grind really hard while not making a lot of money, but I grind in service of showing the truth and having fun and Mm -hmm. building a community where people feel empowered and have, you know, this lifelong hobby of caring for animals. Yeah. So I, I think, I think a lot of people mixed up the grind with you can work really hard to build a better life for yourself and the people around you. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in what other ways, I mean, you've listed quite a few, but in what other ways do horses impact your life currently? Yeah, I mean, they just, you know, in addition to just the 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 work and community aspect i just i love being on the back of one um they have helped me deal with just a variety of different life issues it's the old cliche all your problem you know you work out all your problems on the back of a horse mm-hmm. um but it's very true um you know i what i get out of horses is i've had a, a lifelong relationship with these animals that have taught me a lot about myself but like there's also all this other tangential knowledge that that come along like I remember I was ranting to somebody about like the appropriate way to like set up you know like a a, like a fields for like field rotation Mm -hmm. or whatever and I went in this really long rant about like land and soil and water management and this person's like how did you even know any of that like I ride horses you just pick up this stuff over time but uh you know it is like we even touched on before is talking about agricultural education horses um have given me you know a a a greater insight on like how do where's our food come from um how do rural communities like you know shape themselves you know there's all this knowledge that comes around taking care of these animals other than just okay show up get up get on the pony and leave yeah Um, yeah, it's just it's just given me a lot of peace and at the same time an extraordinary uh, level of knowledge and understanding of the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> um, I think that that is one of the unique benefits, and you know, as people are or as parents may be trying to get their kids into horses or people, you know who are not under their parents' care. Um, Young adults are looking to get more into this lifestyle. It's just the possibilities are endless and the possibilities for learning don't stop at the horse. And I think that surprises some people. I described it to somebody because I never played video games as a kid, Mm -hmm. Um, but I described it as horses are the ultimate sandbox like you can just go tangentially wherever you want to go so this winter I decided I just want to really learn about horse conditioning I like really want to you know get this one horse I'm working on completely in shape but the next summer I could just you know I could be like you know what I just want to learn about equine gut health it's (laughs) the the possibilities for this hobby are amazing because you could just you can spend multiple lifetimes learning about these animals and still not get to the bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's also, uh, one of the unique qualities of this industry is that everybody's going to have a, a suggestion, a way to do it right, you know? And it's like, there's a million ways to do it right. Everybody does horses differently and you just have to find the way that works for you. Well, and the animals are so different too. Um, mm-hmm. I have learned with some people, the the trick is you just, you know, you say, hey, I heard you and kind of demonstrate what they showed you. And then if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is sometimes how I cope with a lot of that uh, <laughs> unsolicited advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that is uh i wonder if it's easier to cope with advice like that simply because we've been in the industry that long but when you know trying or this long trying to empower you know new equestrians coming into this space it's like a lot of the emails and questions that I get about it is what do, what do I do if or what do I do when so-and-so says this or this is what my one trainer told me and it didn't feel good but it's my trainer so what do I do now you know that kind of conversation so I think that us longer equestrians especially black equestrians have a little bit of a a responsibility to just be like yo it, it literally it depends like the answer that everybody hates it depends <laughs> things change <laughs> well and that's where mentorship comes along where right. you have to teach these kids like you know not everybody's advice is entirely valid um mm-hmm. and it really is context development if what this person has shown you doesn't work it doesn't work and just move on um i have had people teach me like eight different ways how to cue into a lope mm-hmm. um and honestly, I have now just come to the point where I'm like, it's just dependent on the horse. I don't, I don't know how these animals go into a canner, honestly. <laughs> right, right. Just faster. It's just please. a miracle. <laughs> faster. Not, not now. Okay. Cool. <laughs> All right. Figure, like, out, figure out another way. It's fine. <laughs> I feel you on that. I feel you on that. So that's, what? that's kind of why I'm just like, I, I, I really am trying to figure out a way to get my own because it's like, what's great about getting your own is that you just get to set it up the way you want it to. Like I had mm-hmm. a friend, um, she just bought a quarter horse uh, yearling and she is about to have the time of her life just setting that horse up perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. That that's what I did. Oh, well, I got him as a wing. Yeah. What kind of horse do you have? A walking horse. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I have to, I have a walking horse and a mini and I got the walking horse at six months and the mini at seven months. So they are, uh, like I know all the buttons and that was, that was my goal. I rode enough other people's horses. I was like, but I need to know what the buttons are. <laughs> like, how do you start? I'm tired time? of playing in the dark. Yeah. Like, I just, I just feel like I want to know it all. Okay. I need to know. I, I want to know the traumas. I need to know the, you know, why. You I need to know your neurosis. I need to know exactly why you crazy right. the way you crazy. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> like I need to know things. So yeah, that was, that was my experience, but I know that not everybody can, not everyone has the patience to not ride for two and a half, three years. And yeah, uh, that's what my mom's doing now. My mom finally got her dream horse after years and years and years. Yeah. Somehow through, through the miracles of dreamhorse.com, my mother got an Andalusian for a price. I don't even want to mention for fear of getting stabbed. Um, <laughs> if this, mama wants this, she can how get it. We got this horse for 10 years old, gelding, sweet as pie, beautiful mover. He just hadn't been saddled and a couple other things. And that was you know, that was the reason we got him for so cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, we put him in, into a trainer for 90 days. Um, we're working with another trainer right now who, um, she's a Simone gal. She's 
she was a, you know, this great three-day eventer. Um, and he is just beautiful. I've written him a couple of times and I was just like, oh, mom, you got the dream. Like this, this is what the struggle was about. Right, right, right. <laughs> that was, you know, like we all have that one horse that like when we were like six years old, we all looked at and was like, that's the dream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for my mother and illusions. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, she got him and he is, he is just a doll. And yeah, the whole getting to set the buttons yourself is really nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So is there a particular discipline that you ride? So I have been shifting towards reining. So okay. my mother's a dressage, a dressage girl, but truthfully, um, dressage kind of bores me a little bit. <laughs> and I, I listen, I know that dressage makes you an incredible writer and all that stuff. And it really is a beautiful thing when you really nail dressage, but I kind of like raining a little bit more because I like it when the pony go fast. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Go fast and stop fast. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, the spins are really cool. And the pictures when you do the slides, like it's just, it's so, it's so badass. Like I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you do any like photography at horse shows and things? I'm starting to step my foot into it. Okay. Um, it's a little bit of a political issue, so I have to tread lightly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everybody has their turf and stuff. So everybody has their photographer and everybody has certain ways that they want their animals. Um, there it's actually a really interesting challenge to try to photograph horses because it's not like a person where I can tell you, Hey, look in the camera like this, move your head like this. It's mm-hmm. a horse that it's either afraid of the sound or it wants to eat it or just will never move its head correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so it just requires like an intense level of patience and I'm trying to really like really nail it. And I know it's going to take a couple of years to, to really knock it out. Um, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a really fun challenge. Yeah. To learn how to photograph them. Yeah. Yeah. I've gone to a clinic hosted by a girl that photographs me and just I'm like you know what instead of teaching me how to do this teach me how to use photoshop because <laughs> it sounds like I just need to figure out how to alter these images <laughs> you know there's one ear back here and then the tongue's out like ah. like you know what maybe I should just learn how to edit it out you know do what you want to do <laughs> during this picture but I'm not a photographer you're more chaotic to photograph the dogs I'm sure. I'm sure. Because <laughs> do- much easier time photographing my dog than my horse. It's yeah. much harder. Yeah. Dogs don't have that same like fear and like two miles in the distance seeing a car go by and they're like, oh, what's that? Like dogs don't have that. But <laughs> horses. Everything, everything, just- everything that makes a sound is murder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Uh, one of the things that I'm gonna te- I'm teaching my horses now is so I want to uh, play around with drone photography, like particularly mm. for trail riding. Mm-hmm. But I know the sound's gonna freak them out. So what I'm gonna start to do this summer is put those like 99 cent fans on their stalls mm-hmm. so they're yeah. used to the whirring sound. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. equestrianism is just playing mind games with a 900 pound animal, <laughs> basically, and and enjoying it the whole way. <laughs> so what advice could you share with the YBE community people who are really trying to find their lane 
in this horse world? Trying to find your lane. I think be yourself. Don't ever, you know, I know it's the most kindergarten advice on the planet. Um, it, but the older I get, the truer it is, um, where this is a big wide world and trying to be other people is just, it's always gonna, it's always gonna come off forced. So, you know, if you're an artist, play around with art. If you, you know, if you're a STEM person, you know, go and study your ass off about, you know, and, and, you know, be the gut health guy or whatever it may be. There's so many opportunities in this space. Just follow what feels natural to you and have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I tell people all the time, anything that you want to do, just put a horse in front of it. <laughs> And boom, you are in the horse industry. <laughs> it is really that simple. So that is great advice. If there are uh, people who want to get in touch with you, what is the, the best way to contact you? Yeah, right now, um, I primarily reach out to people on Twitter. So okay. it's just Twitter at Nikki West, two underscores between Nikki and West. Um, and just give me a shout out on all and I'll chat back with you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. I love the conversation. I love the work that you are doing and I'm going to have, we're going to have to get on your mama's schedule too. <laughs> so she can tell us all about uh, her experience from Texas to Washington and everything in between. So thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. This was really great. Thank you for tuning in to Young Black Equestrians, the podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player as well as over on YouTube. And you know what? Do me a favor. Leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Doing that makes it so that this platform and this content get shared with Black Equestrians all over the world. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and I will see you next time.